Silas that saw him deliver me to the just mess with your spirit. I don't know about you, but I thank God that his revelational power, his strength, and his joy, and who he is, can overcome all that's in my way. Briefly, you know, I always get more stuff before I can get to where I want to go. But on your programs, don't forget on the back, is the upcoming events and things, hopefully, basically for the church all the way to the end of the year. And one other thing, there'll be a sign-up sheet for the classes in the foyer after church. And one other thing I want to give acknowledgement to, and I, so I won't be remiss, but I want to thank you and I want to thank the church anniversary committee. And I want to thank all of us for people who are impressed. Yes. See, you are shocked. Yes. They was impressed that you was able to have a revival all week and survive and do what God has called us to do. You know, we was in Sunday school and they was talking about why does people think there's too much church? Hmm. Hmm. I ain't figured it out yet. But I can say this. Just because I ain't figured it out don't mean the Bible didn't show it. We can't handle too much of God and we don't want too much of his church because we feel that that's interfering with our lives. Without learning that the church and too much of God is your life. And speaking of that, see, I hate, if you've been here, I try not to be political. Y'all don't know what I, which way I vote. I try not to be diplomatic. I try not to enter into the social justices of our society. Not that I don't know or are not aware, but I believe the word of God is more concrete in our guidance and in our thinking. Like last night and the tragedies that happened in El Paso and the tragedies that happened in Daytona, if you're not aware, after midnight, when a shooter went into a club and killed nine more people and wounded 29. But we look and we have become synthesized to evil. And we accept it and believe that it's okay. We grieve briefly, but we move on to the next one come. But what's making it so sad is they come in more and more often. Yes. So how do we come back in a direction that we know that's not true? How can we let our schools and our systems continue to adopt principalities that is leading to our destruction? When does the church and the people that claim to be of God Say enough is enough. But when we don't have enough disciples 
But we just got Christians that are saved, but enjoy the world that they ain't supposed to be a part of. What do you expect? Say that, Pastor. Say that. See, that's our problem. When we're not producing disciples, then we sit around and we can accept what the world is doing. Long as it don't bother me. Shine the light on that, Pastor. Shine the light on that. But see, it ain't going to stop. Because it is going to eventually bother you. I just want us to be aware and quit trying to sit there and say to yourself, that this is their problem. Mm. I try to do the best I can to deal with the problem. Because God put me in the worst school in Wichita. So your pastor don't mind being a leader of dealing with this stuff. I got shooters every day. We got things that we have to monitor. Because we got students that they done sent to us. That one day could pick up one of them guns and just come spray up something. But I'm not scared to let God's presence be in me to touch them. Amen. We gonna have to learn that God is saying you gonna have to get ready. You know, it's good to see my brother and his family here. That some of them is from Wichita, but he's from North Carolina. But I want to say something about my brother in North Carolina. And, 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 and he, he, this is what makes me so happy. Is when I can see a change. See, when you know where they came from. And you know what they done done. But you can see that somebody done came in their life. And they brought God in their life. And you can see a change. You can rejoice. You can shout. Because you know what they done been through. And with somebody. Your friend. Yes. 
I know y'all can see. Your marriages, if he ain't your friend, or she ain't your friend, you got a problem. But when y'all become friends, when they become friends, not your husband, not your wife, not your spouse, not your danger, but when they become your friend, they do something to you. They make you start to care about stuff you didn't even know you cared about. They start to change your viewpoint because you got a friend. Denise, I want to thank you for being his friend. See, 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 baby, I'm just talking about him. But see, I, I saw something else. You changed his son. You changed his son. When you can see the peace. When, when you can see the peace. That done entered in the folks' life. Because one person was willing to take a chance. And said, I'll be your friend. And I'm going to stick with you no matter what. That's why Jesus said, I'll be with you. When you elevate your, your walk with him. He says, no longer are you a servant. Now you my friend. And a friend will go to hell and back with you. That's why Jesus said, I descended into hell so that I can be your friend. Well, I'm just saying what the Bible says. See, all of y'all want to keep these folks that ain't you. Now, see, see, I got friends, but they ain't of Jesus. We grew up and we friends, but they let me know that they don't want none of Jesus. So I pray for my friends. I don't join the Muslims. I don't join the black this and the black Israelite and all of that stuff. You're still my friend, but I ain't going to hang out with you that much. Because now we ain't going in the same direction. But I want you to know that I'm willing to die for you. And I'm going to get on my knees and pray for you. Because I'm still your friend. But watch this. Can I hear this a lot? Well, Pastor, they were my friend before I became a Christian. Amen. I didn't say get rid of them. I just say don't go the way they going because they ain't going to Jesus. Your job is to turn them around instead of them turning you around. One of the saddest things I get to see daily, I ain't talking about sitting around, talking about every now a daily. I don't know how they want these kids come in and profess to be Christians, but evil makes them do bad things. Because we ain't taught them to be strong enough. Not to be pulled in. But pull others out. We done taught them to go in and stay in. That ain't what God said. He said you go in and bring them out. 
And I want to do one little quick thing before I get into the heart of this thing. Y'all just watching her because she's so dear to me. And I love her so much ever since I met her. Do she got issues? Of course. But that girl right there, every time I see her, I can't help but do what I'm about to do. Excuse me. Amen. Come in. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. You knew exactly what I was saying. Come in. church tonight, but when I see her, I got to give her a hug. Because she done overcome so much, but she in a war that's trying to pull her in another way. And I know this, love conquers all. And every time I see her, I want to hug her when I go to her house and get my hair cut. And I love you because she makes you when I'm there and I see her. Yes, yes. And all I want to do is give her a hug. Yes. And I believe these hugs is going to take her and let her overcome yes. and become what God then called her to be. Yes. And I pray that you find somebody that ain't yours. And you do the same thing. Because if we do this enough, we'll start turning this world around. Amen. 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 Today I want, I just thank the Lord TK. Today I want to talk. I'm going to start a series on seizing your divine moment. Seizing your divine moment. A divine adventure begins when we seize the opportunities that God put before us. Many of us is still trying to figure out God's will and God's way. Even though we know God has certain things that he wants done, but we want some specific things, and we want some exactness about things. Well, in my Christian walk, which is very peculiar, and is unorthodox, and very even confusion, and when I get around church folk and preachers and teachers, one of my greatest battles is, well, this is the way God do things. And this is what God says and blah, blah, blah. But then God always reminds me, you different. See, you different. Why am I different? He said, how many pastors have you been under? One. Then that means that no man going to teach you. Because you're different. 
He said, when, when, today was such a rejoiceful thing. And I want to thank my staff. Could you put in my called scriptures today? And I was crying reading them. But I needed them. Because I remember sitting in Alaska when we started a radio program, Be Strong and Very Courageous. God said, you need to patent this. But guess what I didn't do? So guess what came out about eight years later in the Christian bookstores? The ministry of being strong and very courageous. And they patented. Now I had it before them, but since I didn't do it, he gave it to somebody else. But not only has he done that in so many things, but he I believe that you done missed some things in your life that you wasn't willing to take a chance on God because you wasn't willing to do what God wanted you to do because you was too scared or didn't agree nor was ready to do it. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Because when you start to, and the thing I done learned, when I began my walk, I'm going to show you something so unusual. I had a holy trinity call. But what's a holy trinity call? The day God called me, he called me to repentance. Then he called me to the ministry. And then he called me to surrender all right there one time. That's it. It wasn't no progression. It wasn't no working into it. It wasn't none of this. Well, I'm getting there and God understands. No, it was all in one moment. Now, that don't happen to everybody. But that what makes me peculiar. Because I used to sit there and look at God and say, where in the world? How did you trick me into this? <gasps> this is y'all didn't hear the word. How did you trick Because he knew if he didn't trick me, I'd say, I ain't doing it. I still, after he did do it, I still said I ain't doing it. But season your divine moment is getting ready to be a series. And I want to teach you some things of God. That is a myth to your belief system. Y'all ready? Amen. Turn to 1 Samuel. Now the Sunday school lesson was in 1 Samuel 19. Talking about friendship. But we don't talk about 1 Samuel 14. Y'all go, you're going to be in this for about a month. Right here. <laughs> right here. All my education, right here. From North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I'm from North Carolina too. I went visiting one time. <laughs> right here. Okay. It says in verse chapter 14, and if you got them highly fancy Bibles, it'll tell you what it's about. Jonathan defeats the Palestinians. It says, now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man, who bore his armor, his armor bearer, where's mine? I hope my armor bearers, you see that word? See, I got to start at the basics of things. The armor bearer, and I got two, and I'm finna get on my two. Come and let us go over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting on the outskirts of Gibbet, under the pomegranate tree, which is in 
made them. The people who was with him, which was about 600 men. Mm. That's the only way we do stuff. Ahab and the son of, forget all these names. It's about the, the ditchman, the son of, forget him, and, and the son of Eli. Now, that's important. The son of Eli, the Lord's priest of Shiloh, was wearing the Ippabah. Now, let me explain the Ippabah, and I haven't told you this, but just in case you didn't know or you missed it. The Ippabah is in the Old Testament, and the priests wore it, and that is how they knew the will of God, because when they went into the temple, then they would be able to know what God's will is because the Ippabah was made out of special clothing that when they got to into the temple and they got to praying to God, only the priests had it. And they went in and they wanted to know what God's will was. It would light up in a divine glory type of way and then they would know what God wanted them to do. Some of us need to improvise in our prayer life. Yes. And y'all need to light up so you'll know what God, never mind. <laughs> but the people did not know Jonathan had gone. But between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Palestinian garrison, there were sharp rocks on one side and sharp rocks on the other side. And the name was Boaz, and the other one name was Shemin. Now, Boaz means that it was a slippery slope. Shemin means that it was a thorny slope. Now, you pictured it. You got slippery over here and thorny over here. And then to the north was opposite Mishmin and the south given. Now, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, Come, let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised who you hang out with, folk. And it may be the Lord that will work for us. Right here, Jonathan is seeing an opportunity from God to do God's will. But the odds against him are tremendous. I'm going to keep going and I'll be back. For nothing restrains the Lord. That's where the battle begins. Nothing restrains the Lord. Nothing restrains the Lord. <clears throat> nothing restrains the Lord. Now, if y'all was in the last time I was here, I said, you put your name in it then. Yeah. From saving many or by few. So his armor bearer said, do all that's in your heart. Thank you so much, armor bearer. You prayed that this morning. And then I am, then here I am with you, according to your heart. Then Jonathan says, well, very well, let us go and cross with these men, and I will show ourselves to them. And if they say, now watch this, if they say to us, wait and we will come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say to us, come to us, then we will go. 
For the Lord has delivered them into our hands, and there will be our sign. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are out there in the holes where they are hidden, right there. The reason why they make that statement, they only saw two. But they believe out of fear that Israel was hiding in the holes of the caves of the mountain because they were too scared to show themselves. Sound like the church. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we shall show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, because they knew the clue, come after me and the Lord shall deliver them into our hand. And Jonathan climbed up the mountain with his hands and knees with his armor bearer and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came out and his armor bearer killed them, the first slaughter, the, the first, the, they, that, that first slaughter with Jonathan and his armor bearer were about 20 men and a half an acre of land. Be seated. Seizing God's divine moment. It, it, it begins and becomes exciting and an adventure. When you seize the opportunity of what God puts before you. Now many of us, and unfortunately, we have been taught to be in a sense of security. Everything got to be right. Everything got to be perfect. And everything has to be the way we perceive it's supposed to be. You got God in this box. And you have decided in your walk with God. If I'm going to take a chance, I want to know when, I want to know how, and I want to know why. And if you was, when, and see, when I was in the military, and see, I'm kind of glad I grew up the way I grew up because that helped me understand God. And our problem is today, I feel sorry for you folks because you didn't grow up the same way we grew up. See, my parents... Now, I grew up with a loving mother, a beautiful woman. And sometimes she used to let us deal with white, because we was able to say, Mama, white. And she was highly educated and very sophisticated, so she would let us ask her why. Now, my stepfather wasn't that white. He old school. He didn't want to hear why. What did I tell you to do? Why? Excuse me, ain't your mom. <laughs> you don't ask me why you just do it Amen. and when I got to the military so we don't have no problems because the military now they do they tell you why but when we was there they didn't want to hear why or how they said just do it well unfortunately God's the same way he ain't sitting around trying to explain to you why because that ain't faith See, God is a God of faith. And he you got and when you got a relationship with him and you trust him, you're not worried about the why. You're gonna do what he tells you to do because he is God and you trust him and you want to demonstrate your faith. But the problem today is 
Most of us don't think that way, nor believe that way. So the church is constantly asking God, why? And God is looking like my stepfather. Excuse me? <laughs> you ain't, I know you didn't ask me why. <clears throat> and so we sitting around waiting on why to show up. And God is sitting over there going, okay, you wait on this why. You ain't going to never get it until you move. Because that's the way we have taught them today. Why? And God is like, okay, you keep playing with me. I ain't going to show you why. I'm going to show you why not. Because the why is a form of disobedience. Yes. Well, Pastor, I, I, I ain't disobedient. I just want to know. He said, I'm not asking you to do your intellect and your reasoning. I'm asking you on your faith. And your faith is supposed to trust me. And what you don't understand what I'm doing to you is showing you your faith. Because when I show you your faith, you asking me why. Because that means you don't trust me the way you rather than the church you saying you do. Because when I put the rubber to the road and you get a why out of that, God is like, you don't show me your faith. Now instead of repenting, <laughs> he done showed you you. Now instead of repenting and get back in line with God, you sit around and say, well, I'm waiting on the Lord to tell me why. And the Lord is like, try to repent first. Because you done disobeyed me. Because your faith is showing. No, I ain't disobeyed you, God. Oh, yes, you did when you asked me why. Because have you moved? No, then you disobeyed me. Yeah. Your past ain't no different. And he just went through a great spiritual warfare with God this week. We voted to do something. And I didn't do it right away. Because I wanted to pray with God to get some true answer, whatever that means. And God said to me, I love you. And I thank you for loving your people. But I'm still God. So God gave me this vivid image of what he was showing me. He said, y'all have heard the story, but I'm going to show you the story when he gives it to you why it means something. You have heard the story because it's a great preaching story. That when St. Peter, when you died, this man went up to St. Peter, and St. Peter was uh, escorting him to his place, his, his mansion, and he looked over here, now open up your spiritual mind, he looked over and he saw this great big old warehouse. Now, let's just even open it up. This warehouse could be as big as the universe, but it's a warehouse. And the man says to St. Peter, well, what's over there? And St. Peter says, you don't want to go over there. You don't know what's in there. That, you know, almost like none of you. It is your business, but you don't want to know. But like us, they insist on knowing. Now, notice this. God says when you get to heaven, he's going to wipe away the tears. He wants to wipe away the sorrow. He wants you not to suffer anymore. So you got this great big 
a warehouse. And, you, and St. Peter is trying to fulfill what God has said. Because St. Peter knows if you go in that warehouse and you see your name and you say, what is all of this? And Peter says to you, these are all the blessings that you did not get because you refused what God wanted you to do. And when God showed me that about Wednesday, he said, you can love the people, but look at the, you're going to miss out on all the blessings by obeying me I have for you. When you got to seize a divine moment, it's not based on people. It's based on him. Yes. It's based on what he done said to do. Amen. Because you, when you See, when you do it, God's blessings will be on you. Hold on, don't God's blessings is going to be on you. That is going to be distributed to bless others. And when he showed me that, I made the phone call. See, many of us live in a secure Christian life. Many of us want to be like Saul in this passage. He was under the pomegranate tree. Chill out. He got 600 men supposed to go to fight the Philistine. But he didn't leave and go fight them for one thing that is always paralyzing in our lives. He knew God wanted him to go. He gave him enough folks to go with but he wouldn't go. He's sitting under the pomegranate tree because he was scared to go. Many of us, God has equipped you. He done done it. He done showed you himself. And he said to you, it is time to go do what I called you to do. But out of fear, you won't move. Many times, 
in our walk, you got to know God's going to be with you. Many times in your walk, you don't have to trust God because you know it's the will of God. Jonathan knew it was God's will to fight the Philistine, but his daddy, the king, was scared. But he knew that that was God wanted it done. And by faith, he was ready to walk. For all you note keepers, write this down. This is where we at in the church today. You don't know what you don't know. Because you don't know. You don't know if I go, am I going to live? You don't know if I die, what's going to happen. Because you don't know. But the thing about God is, he don't care or want you to know. But it's by faith that you start to do what God doesn't option you to do. You don't have to know. See, our problem today is you sow into your own life that you can't worry about other folks' life. Jonathan knew this, that if I live, amen. If I die, amen. But throughout the Bible, Y'all need some bills for example. I believe Peter died upside down on the cross. I believe Paul got killed. I believe James got thrown off the temple and stoned to death. I believe that all of the disciples, by the time they got through, died of a brutal murder or a brutal back. But they never worried about how they was going to die. They just worried about their faith and doing what God done called them to do. Because they didn't know how they was going to die. Now watch this. You clapping. Let me let you in on a revelation that you might have forgot. That you don't know the day, nor the time, or when you going to die. You can try to provoke it. You may prolong it. You may try to do whatever you want to do. But there's going to come a appointed time that you won't die. Yes. Now, if you know that, if you know, how many of you going to live forever? Oh, see, you should have raised your hand. Because you are going to live forever if you got Jesus. Now, you may not be in this earthen mode, but you're going to live forever if you got Jesus. So I would raise my hand. No, see, if the pastor would have said something like that, I would raise my hand. Because if he was wrong, I would say, I would live forever because I'm with Jesus. But the key to this is you don't know. But you have divine moments. You've got to understand that God is going to present stuff in your life that is going to take pure faith and faith only to do. I sit around and I am amazed at my life. I am so amazed because I look for divine opportunities to do what God wants me to do because my life is going to be peculiar because I got enough faith that God can use me for anything because I don't care what's going to happen. God don't take care of my wife. Well, I'm here or not. Because I got faith in God. God don't take care of my kids. Well, I'm here or not. Because I got faith in God. So when divine opportunity comes, I don't need to know. I just need to go. 
Because once I go, then God is going to be with me. And I'm going to be able to understand that God is going to reveal what he wants done at that time, at that moment, and at that particular thing. Most of you, take this out. See, you read it little. But let's take it to another level. This is spiritual. This is not literal. This is spiritual. Because it takes spiritual faith to do what God wants you to do. 90% of you don't understand what goes on is spiritual first. He says on earth as it is in heaven. He says that the battles is in the principalities of above heavenly places. So your fights and stuff, they get manifested physically. It started spiritually. But when you understand that the battle is spiritual, then you could hey, oh, watch this. Two swords. He tells his armor bearer, Come on, let's go. Hell of an armor bearer. He didn't even, he said, Okay, let's go. Oh, Jesus, I can hear you now. He said, You going to pick a fight with them? Yeah. How many, when God sent them to the promised land, that they just gave up and gave it to them? Them people fought them Israelites till they died. Because they wasn't willing to give up that land. But God said, you gonna, that's your land, go get it. But you don't have to fight for it. Church, people, understand something. When God wants you to have something, you got to participate. It ain't to drop out the sky. You got to place to do it. Do you if he watch it? If he dropped it out the sky, mm -hmm. you'll give it back to Satan yep. because you didn't earn it. Right. But if he make you fight for it, if he give you blood, sweat, and tears, if he make you get down on your knees and call his name, and you not go through spiritual warfare again, then when you get it, you ain't gonna let nobody. That's what's wrong. See, you can tell when they didn't earn it because they willing to give it up. Right. But when you used to walk for three years and the rain sleet and snow and you had to walk miles to get to work Come on. and you only made five miles an hour, then when God starts to bless you and you start to get a job that made $10 an hour and all of a sudden you get a car, you ain't going to just give that car you have to do something. No. 
See what we understand? That we ain't see another cliche in the church. Please, I will not see. I, I be looking for stuff. And I try to find it in the Bible. Then I find out the good old church just made it up. <laughs> How many of you go by this philosophy? Well, if God closed the doors, that means I ain't supposed to have Show me the scripture first. But then you expand it. Well, if God closed the doors, God gonna open up another. Well, it took me in scripture. But what I learned is if the door closes, then you might look at the window. But if you can't get through the window, I got news for you. Have you ever thought that God don't want you to go through the door? Because if you just went through the door, you don't appreciate it. Have you ever thought that if you go through the window, you done found a way to go through the window, you ain't going to appreciate it. Now, I'm talking about folks that have an issue with God. See, some of us, we can go through the door and praise the Lord, God's good. Some of us, we can go through the window, we can praise God because we know God did it. But some of us, have to go through the wall mm. and make your own way. Mm. But when you go through it, God ain't gonna let you get hurt, and you come out on the other side praising Him because you made He made a way out of no way, and He used you to get through it so that you will be able to appreciate what He done done. So, Christianity today, unless it's easy, it protects our security, and we comfortable. We ain't doing nothing. Because that's the way America done taught us to be. But see, I done learned. I remember when 9-11 hit. And then this relates to last night, too. One of the things that baffled the church in American Christianity is when 9-11 hit, we watched the planes destroy our whole belief system. See, those planes destroyed our whole belief system. They let you know like God showed in the Bible with Moab and all of them when Israel thought they were secure. And they start sinning. Uh, they thought nothing could touch them. Come on, come on. So those planes was a reminder that don't think they can't get to you. Because the more you keep going this way, the more I'm going to allow them to get you this way. And you can secure your borders all you want. You can do everything. You can have the most sophisticated jets. And you can have the most sophisticated missiles. And you can have the most sophisticated systems. But you can't stop humans from coming in and doing what they need you to do. Now watch this. One of the things that has came into our lives is we'll say, well, if you ain't God's will, ain't nothing going to happen to you. (laughs) 
If you're in God's will, there's nothing going to happen to you. 9-11 woke up my theology. Because I said to God, and others said to God, God, if we in your will, how did this happen? Well, this is the key. Just like last night, them poor people that went to Walmart, they was in God's will. They didn't do nothing wrong. But evil was waiting on them. Yeah, say that. Last night in Daytona, they was at the club. I ain't saying they was in God's will. But evil was waiting on them. 29 got killed last night. Over 50-some people got wounded last night. But it doesn't matter whether you're in God's will or not. Because danger is where God is going to call you to. Danger is where God going to put you. One of the reasons that you got a job that ain't in the church is because God going to spread you out into the lost and dark society of this world. One of the reasons once you got saved, you didn't get beamed up to heaven is because God is going to use you to go into this lost and dying world. One of the reasons that he put you in a dangerous situation is because he said to you that I am with you no matter where you go. He said in Matthew 28, go ye therefore and to this lost and dying world and make disciples of all men. Teach them in the way that I have taught you. And if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, God said, I'm going to put you on some rough seat. I'm going to send you to the desert. I'm going to send you to the heathen. I'm going to send you to your own people. And everybody's going to try to kill you, destroy you, hurt you, dilapidate you. He's telling you, if I did it to them, what makes you think I'm not going to call you to do the same thing? You can't sit and think it's going to be comfortable. you got to get up and walk in faith because I am God and God alone. And it's not why you just say yes, sir, and hit the margin and walk. See, I learned a long time ago to take risks. Most of y'all at the casinos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, I ain't wrong with the casino. <laughs> <laughs> For most of y'all, I'm just using it to illustrate. <laughs> amen. But anyway, most of us is at the casino. Now, why are you at the casino? <laughs> you didn't go in cuz. You were there on purpose. Oh, I just went to the buffet. <laughs> Get this wrong. See, that means you convicted. 
I didn't say there was something wrong with the casino. What makes it wrong is when you take God's money that he gave you to the church and you put it in the casino. That's when you're wrong. But if you got extra money, enjoy it. I'm telling you, bro, go ahead and do that as But the thing that is the point is you've taken a risk. But you will take a risk on casinos. You will take a risk of going to clubs. You will take a risk on your education. You will take a risk on your job. You will take a risk on a lot of things in your life. But when it comes to God and his church, and God say, take a risk, all of a sudden, your faith ain't there. It's not that your faith is not there. It's just that you have put your faith in other things. Amen. You went to the casino by faith that you won't win somebody. And you were sick when you did. <laughs> then you look around, oh Lord, Rick. No, I said, you, 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 oh Lord, Rick, do. And you ain't been to church in six months. But when Red Duke gets where you showed up that day, so y'all got to pray for me. Oh, we pray for you when you're losing your money. And we finally see God that brought you because you brought it. Well, I hope you learned from this. But God expects us to take risks. But there's a reason why he wants you to take risks. My whole life since I've been with Christ has been a risk. Amen. I mean, everywhere I go, everything I do is a risk. Yeah. I, I, I got a job that I ain't qualified for. But I knew God opened the door for me. Was I scared of the job? Yes. Was did I fear the job? No. Why? Because I knew God had opened up this door. And if he knows that I'm not qualified, but I knew this about God. I knew he was going to qualify me for the job. Because he was going to give me the knowledge and the wisdom to do the job. It ain't based on me. It's just like pastor. I was telling him in an office. When God called me under the Holy Trinity, I made one thing and I asked him one thing only. I said, okay, Lord, I didn't surrender. He ain't giving it back. What you want me to do? Go be a pastor. What? <laughs> Can I be a deacon? Uh, uh. No, I want you to go be a pastor. Now watch this. I knew about a pastor. I wasn't in the church. So I didn't really know what a pastor was like. I just knew about being a pastor. Some of it I liked, some of it I didn't like. But the thing was, he told me what I was going to be. So he starts you on this journey by faith of equipping you to become, now watch this, not the pastors you done seen, but the pastor he done made you. The sad thing about me is in my churches is they try to compare me to the previous pastor. And I had to tell them, I'm not them. I'm different than them, and I'm going to not look like this. I'm not hooping. I ain't 
can't see it. I'm not that. I ain't gonna do none of that. I'm gonna get up here and proclaim the word of God, and I'm gonna do what God has told me to do, and I'm gonna stick my hands back and say, that you want to go to a church and he got you chopped off the pew and you all happy, I appreciate it. But if you want to learn, I'm going to teach you how to walk in God's ways. Taking a risk with God. The main thing that Jonathan knew and I know is you got to die. You gotta die. You gotta die to live. That's right. I just quoted right. scripture. And you gotta die to live. And when you learn that you have died, now you can live. Because once you have died, you know the person I love the most in the Bible, and I wish they would have talked more about him. I wanna know how Lazarus really was after he had died and came back. I would love to have sat down with Lazarus and say, talk to me. You done seen both sides. But this is the sad part. Lazarus already died. Instead of the people saying hallelujah, they tried to kill him again. (laughs) But when you die, what do you have to lose? You done lost everything. Your soul is now a regenerated, resurrected soul. And that soul is ready to live and do what God done called it to do. Because it done died to the old things and then rose to the new thing. And it's willing to take risks. And you keep wondering why you continue to fight yourself. You wonder why you're depressed. You wonder why you can't get things done. You wonder why you keep running around getting sick. Because you keep telling God and that resurrected soul, no, I can't do that. And God said, I, you done died. What else you got to do? I done rose you to do the work that I done called you to do. I done made you surrender all. I took you from the top. And I put you on the bottom. I put you on the potter's wheel. I done shaped you. I done molded you. I done put my spirit in you. It ain't about you no more. It's all about what I want done. And if you walk in my way and you walk in my precept, you do what I tell you to do. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to dance with you. I'm going to sing with you. I'm going to be with because when you take risks for God, you're going to do his will. And you're going to change folks' lives. And you're going to be able to enjoy the Christian walk. I think the reason why you don't like the Christian walk is because you don't think it's exciting. You'd rather be in the club behind your bullets. Well, let me tell you a little secret. You still dodging bullets. They Satan's bullets. You just don't see them because they're spiritual. But you want to see, when you understand these things, then you will start to walk the way God wants you to walk. Then one of them, write this thing, and I had to learn this one. You go until you hear nothing. Amen. You go until you hear 
not. The pastor last week preached on reaping and sowing. In that lesson he was talking about, he said you can sow here and reap later. It be 20 years from now. Now I'm going to give you my own personal testimony of reaping and sowing, but go to you here now. 25 years ago when the God called me, I made some requests. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to go. I said, I want two things. Can I ask for two things? What's that? He said, I said, well, I said, make me a great preacher. I said, I would like to have a decent-sized church. I didn't ever hear no, so I kept going. So when I got to Alaska, I saw all this land that the church owned, and I motivated them to Jesus. Let's build. So they got excited. They wanted to build. I got scared, and things happened. So I fell from grace. But when you fall from grace, this is going to free somebody. When you fall from grace, you're going to think your Christian walk is over with God. You're going to think everything that you had built with God is destroyed and gone. Because, hey, why would God use me? But what you done failed to remember and understand, the same God that called you before, All right. All right. when you wasn't with him, yes. it's the same God. That will take your Christian belt. And what he will do to you. And this is what your Bible says. He will say what he told me. He said, come out of it. And if you come out of it, then I can use you. That's your choice. So I came out of it. But what happens to you is, you think God then told you no for your dreams and your requests before. But what God does is he takes that failure and he reshapes it and regrows it. Now he never takes out of you what he put in you. He just gets you ready for it to come. So the failure is not literally a failure. A failure is that he wants to make sure that when he restores you, you're going to be ready to do what he told you to do a long time ago. Most Most of you, due to your sinful nature, you done gave up on your dreams. You done gave up on what God called you to do. You done gave up on the gifts that he gave you. Because you don't think that God can use you because of the lifestyle and the sin and the nature that you have been in. But now watch this. Did he tell you no? Did you get up? You get up and you start walking. And what he had planted in you so that you can start to do what he has gifted you to do. And he didn't give up on you. That's right. You gave up on him. 
Jonathan stepped out on faith. He started to climb the steep thornery cliffs. All the time, Jonathan is waiting to hear from God. Are you telling me no? Well, don't do this, but this is the Old Testament. He threw out a fleece. He said, well, if they call us and they come to us, then we ain't supposed to go. But if they call us to go, then we go because the Lord is with us. He threw out a fleece. And God knew what he had said. He did the opposite of what we would do. We would say, well, if they call us, we ain't going. But if they come to us, we know that's what they're supposed to do. I'm trying to teach you something about God. He does the opposite of human reasoning. Human reasoning say if they come to us, that's God. We, there's only two of us. How in the world are we going to go to them? That's God. Because if it takes God to do it and eliminate you, that's God. Amen. Jonathan understood. So when he got there in the Philistine song, Jonathan never heard no. I want to thank God that I never heard no to my request. I've heard prophecy. Oh, you have a nice church. Oh, you a good preacher. I done heard prophecy of what people done said. But I kept on going despite my failures, despite my battles, despite my losses, continuing to have a dream that God placed in me when I was 30 years old. I dreamt, and every now and then, when I decide that it ain't worth dreaming no more, the Holy Spirit would come and descend and put it back into my spirit. When I decide, well, that ain't what God want me to do, the Holy Spirit will remind me of what God has already placed in me. I kept on going, and I never heard no, and I kept on moving in the direction that God wanted me to move. I kept on dreaming. I kept on hoping. I kept on looking. I kept on seeking. I kept on being on my knees. I kept on praying. But Satan thought he had knocked me out. God came in and rose me back up. When I thought there was no hope, there was always hope. And whatever he planted in you, he just said that I'm planting a seed in you. You just keep on doing what I told you to do. I think the Bible said that one plant, one water, but God gets the growth. What's growing inside of me is what God has planted in me. Some that water it, some that planted it, some that cultivated it. But God is the one that's going to give it growth. And until you hear no, you just keep on going. And you just keep on walking. And you just keep on talking. You keep on dreaming. You got to understand something. Your dream is attached to somebody else's dream. And that dream is attached to your dream. It's not your dream. It's his dream. And when it's 
he told you to be calm. All right, uh, get on your behind and start right. And he said, I need you to sing. Then do what he had told you to do. Whatever on the inside, God said, once you step out on faith, it's going to be a glorious, 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 glorious. to the top of the cliff and the Philistines told him what he said and the Bible said he won the victory because he trusted God the same thing is in our lives you got to learn to seize the divine opportunities because God has not given up on you you have given up on him and it's going to take faith to trust him. You may look stupid. You may look ignorant. You may look like the that ain't God. But when God doesn't command you, it's going to look different. It's going to look totally peculiar. Nobody's going to support you. Because if he would have told his daddy, 
His daddy would have tried to talk him out of it and put all 600 men around him and not let him go. So he learned not to say a word and step out on faith. Sometimes you need to quit talking and start to walk and don't let nobody know what you are up to because you're going to do God's work. See, you got to understand your Christian brothers and sisters they ain't going to sit over there and let you go do something that don't sound right. They going to try to quote every scripture they can find. But the thing they can't quote is faith in God. And when we learn, I was watching the Hall of Fame. I love watching the Hall of Fame ceremony doing this time. And when one of the things you hear about super athletes is you take for granted that they, you think they're calling so easy. But how many of you know the higher you go, the tougher the competition? So when they get to the NFL, they talk about their stories of how, how they almost didn't make it. And all of them were superstars in college and high school. But they get to the NFL and they say, there's a moment, like Tony Gonzalez said, in my second year, I almost got cut. I dropped, I dropped the most passes that year in the NFL. And the Chiefs was ready to give up on me. I went home and I got along. And I had to evaluate myself. And I had to rededicate myself to train harder so that I could be better. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you had a moment that you, when you done reached a plateau and God is getting ready to lift you up into a higher spiritual dimension, you're going to have to train harder to overcome the new things in your life. And when you understand that, you can seize the divine moments and you will be able to enjoy God in a way you never knew that you could. Despite the war, you can still enjoy the fight. Because Jesus is on your side. When we worship Him and we seize our divine moments, your life changes. But most of all, God got control. My prayers is, new Ms. Paul and friends that is visiting and that is here, learn to see God's divine moments. And I'm going to help you one more time. You can write this down. Divine moments happen when you remember 
what he implanted in you. Your dreams and your hopes. You got to be able to see when it's time to do them. But if you don't start to get with God, you won't see those opportunities. And I pray that you don't be like the rest of us and we get up there in heaven and God says, this is what you could have had. Because you didn't have the faith to do what God then called you to do. God bless you. Amen. Let's go. about an hour before I went to work and I called pastor and there's something that's going to take place but I'm not ready to announce it to the church yet that I've been battling with for a long time and I accepted and I trusted God to say that I got to move forward with this and when he spoke with me about this the same exact thing he preached was the same exact thing we talked about two days ago. So to me, it was confirmation to me to trust God and to have faith in that situation because he's going to see us through it. Amen? So I would like to give Pastor another hand clap for that. Because that helped me. That helped me to see clearly the vision and the road that God has for me. And sometimes we battle with that because we look at it like, well, God, you, you want me to do that? What you want me to do that for? No, I want to go this way. But you're always going to hit these brick walls because you obviously, it's right there in your face, but you don't want it because it's not appealing to you or you don't like it. But God's saying, no, this is what I have for you. Trust me. Trust me and your blessings will come. Go where I wanted you to go. Amen. So I just, as I open the doors of the church right now, if God is asking you to do something that he has to change to you, go do it. But also, if you haven't accepted the Lord and he's telling you to accept him, you have that opportunity to do it right now. The doors of the church are open for anybody in need. Oh, everybody, please stand. I'm so
message 